All right, so we are back with In the Weeds. This is uh, Season 2, Episode 3, and I've got a couple of special guests with me. Uh, this is the first for the show to have two guests at one time, so our first uh, three-way. And uh, we're going to go ahead and let you guys introduce yourselves. Um, hey, I'm Flip, uh, president of the Drifter chapter of Stumbler's Chopper Club. And I'm Carvin McGrew, president of the mother chapter of the Stumbler's Chopper Club. All right, cool. Well, hey, I, I want to. What you were looking for was Menage a Trois. This is your first Menage a Trois. Yeah, I don't speak French, but but there you have it. <laughs> Menage a Trois. Was that close enough, right? Uh huh. Cool. So yeah, so this is different for us. We've never actually done a show um, with three people, uh, so that's cool. And uh, this is the first time I've actually had uh, a club on. So usually it's just been you know people like they just talk about what they do as a person they're you know building bikes and art and whatever other shit so this is the first one for us i'm excited to have you guys on and i want to thank you guys for being on the show yeah man we're happy to be here yeah totally we got to do something i'm getting bored <laughs> out of my mind yeah everybody's everybody's losing their minds lately so uh well let's let's start at the beginning with y'all um you know you guys are a chopper club um how did that come about and and give us a little bit of the backstory there. Flip, do you want to do this? Yeah, sure. Um, right, go ahead. So, uh, you know, there was um, a group of guys in Asheville, um, and you know, all, we're all of them were into you know cars and bikes and stuff like that. Um, it also kind of at that time revolved around a shop um, that was out there making some parts. Um, and it really just came about with this idea of like having a collective so we could build cool shit, you know, like I have certain skills. This guy has certain skills. If we all work together, we can build cooler stuff than tinkering away on our own. Um, and then, you know, there's obviously the, the brotherhood aspect of it later. Um, I was around, uh, a little bit, not as a member, um, when that was first getting started, and then I ended up actually moving away, so I didn't uh, become one of the founding members. Uh, Magoo came along not long after I left, and he was basically one of the founding members. Um, and, you know, it just it went from kind of like, a, oh, well, we're just like a chopper club, and we just kind of hang out to getting a little more serious. Um, and it just kind of gradually became what it is now. Um Magoo is actually the only person from that time period that's still around. People, <laughs> the only one left. Yeah, uh, you know, the last of a kind. People left on their own. You know, they moved for and did whatever. You know, we had a couple people that were actually asked to leave, um, and you know, but uh, yeah, we're coming up on ten years as a club uh, next year, so. 
16. Like, we're all getting fucking old, I guess. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, we uh, we started a lot like a lot like a lot of classic clubs out there. And when I say classic clubs, I mean, like, you know, ones that you know, started back around, you know, World War Two and stuff like that. And really, when uh, when everything came about in 2011, um, there were it was it was three people sitting at a bar that really came up with it. And then uh, from there, it kind of grew. And uh, like Flip was saying, I was, I was one of the last people in on the founding on the founding group. But I was actually really about the first probate of the club, and uh, that was uh, that was 2011, right at the end of 2011. And since that time, we've you know we've 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 grown, but we've we've stayed very true to uh, to the uh, the grassroots idea there that we had that. Everybody that uh, is actually part of the club, you know, has something to contribute. And, uh, you know, I mean, you've got one guy who, you know, might be pretty good at wrenching on motors, another guy who's pretty good at fabricating stuff. You got, uh, you always got the person who's the, the schemer there who's looking for, you know, ways to maybe we could we could expand what, what we're doing in the way of, you know, getting that idea out there more and more people, bringing more, you know, creativity back home, not just a, uh, not just open a catalog and, and purchase a bunch of parts there. Right. And uh, the emphasis has always really been on, you know, do it yourself. Um, we, uh, we actually have, uh, we actually have rules in our club that you can't, you couldn't, uh, uh, if you had a club approved bike there that uh, it, uh, it can't be a catalog bike. So, you know, nothing like a big dog or anything like that. I mean, not, not down in big dogs or, or any of those, you know, <laughs> other, other bikes i mean if you got an occ bike or something like that i mean sure more power too it's not my level of taste but that's you know who am i to judge somebody else the uh the thing is though you know something like that while you know while while we don't we're not going to put somebody that rides one of those down or anything at the same time that's that's not the that's not the idea behind what we were behind and uh really it's you know see what you can do yourself. I think. Uh, I think the majority of us that really got started in this, especially there at the beginning, came from uh, came from backgrounds where, you know, I mean, I'll speak for myself per- personally. I, I didn't exactly come from an affluent background. I'm not. Uh, I'm not uh, 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 what you would refer to as even like middle class. So when it came to growing up in the trailer park, hanging out by the dumpster, I figured out how to take other people's and turn it into something that. Uh, something that was useful to myself so you know carrying that skill over into your needs and your wants as uh as you grow up and become an adult there um that uh that really seeded into picking up old motorcycle parts and figuring out how to make something old new again and so just trying maybe how to wring another you know 20 years worth of life out of something that's well worn out and, you know you're not going to be able to do that with everything but uh the majority of uh the majority of what we uh, what we would refer to as a chopper has been, you know, home built. <laughs> right. So, and and you know that period of time, I, there's a lot of people that have gotten into choppers maybe in the last you know few years that, that don't really remember, you know, what the the late 2000s you know were like, <laughs> and it was a different world back then. You know, like like you're saying with the catalog bikes, I don't even know if those exist anymore. But back then, that was definitely a thing. You know, you oh, can they go and they absolutely exist. You can buy them for five thousand dollars on Facebook Marketplace all day long. <laughs> right. Yeah, the problem is they never exactly went away. Once they were put out there, they didn't. <laughs> they didn't go away. No, I, the I, companies I, might not exist, but 
right. they're still there. I, I know that's probably about the cheapest way to buy a you know a, a big big inch Evo <laughs> is to buy the whole bike. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. You know, and, when, and then what you do is you sell off everything else, right? So that you've got you know a little bit of scratch to build something else with. Yeah, yeah, those big three inch open belt primaries and everything. But mm-hmm. no, I, I mean, and, you know, it's funny because when you know, like when you're part of the the chopper scene or whatever, and you're under maybe fifty, and and you hang out with people that are into like punk rock and skateboarding and outlaw country and shit, you kind of get in this bubble, and you know, there's things that we think are cool. And then there's shit that, that we think's probably not cool, you know, and and you forget that there's people out there that still really dig this shit. <laughs> like like there's people oh, yeah. out there that just collect like West Coast Chopper shit. Like those West Coast Chopper Maltese Cross air cleaners. Like when those hit eBay, they sell for ridiculous <clears throat> amounts of money. And that's like the kind of shit that if I came across one at swap meet, I wouldn't look twice at it, you know. Right, right. We uh, we we actually have a brother that's got a uh, he's got a few of the uh, the Jesse James uh, edition adjustable wrenches. I tell you, <laughs> those are cool. Those are really cool. Yeah, man. <laughs> they, yeah. they work for metric and stand. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. So, yeah, and we're, you know, we yeah, well, I just wanted to add we we as a club, you know, we we have our personal tastes and stuff, but that even varies between members, you know. Carby will look at something I'm getting ready to do sometimes and be like, ew, no, why are you going to do that? That's right. um, because it's crap. Well, shut up, Magoo. Um, <laughs> you know, but, I mean, we, we appreciate, you know, I'll give you the line that everyone gives, you know, we, we appreciate it, everybody on two wheels, you know, everyone's got their own thing. Um, we're just really specific about what we're into, you right. know, but, I mean, I got, I got friends that have all different kinds of bikes, and I go ride with them all the time, you know, it's not a, it's not an elitist thing that you, you know, some of these guys now are like elitist. They're like, oh, well, if it's not a period correct, you know, cone shovel top, then fuck you. You know, we're, we're not, we're not at all like that. So, um, you know, we just, we, no, just and, found and, our, we found our lane and we're staying on it, you know. And even then within the club, I mean, we've got members that ride everything from Harleys to Hondas, you know, and all the stuff in between. We've had members that, you know, rode, you know, of, of, like 750 jet bikes and stuff like that it's not always just harleys it's it's really the whole chopper and thing for us has been you know what can you find and what can you make go down the road um i mean early on when i got first interested in motorcycles i was i was into sport bikes and i had a couple and then i moved on to vintage japanese bikes and i just I, yeah, I, I sound old saying something like vintage japanese bikes but it's like you know <laughs> mid-70s models that's that's the cheapest that's the only thing that I could afford. That's what I could get into. And then beyond that, you know, it was just what came my way in the way of parts and things like that. And I mean, I rode Hondas and stuff like that. I don't know where I found myself at the Harley somewhere, somewhere in my mid twenties. And now that's pretty much everything that I have, but we've got, right. we've got other brothers that, uh, from Triumphs and Harleys to, to Hondas and Kawasaki's it's a, uh, it's all everything. So, I mean, really there's no, there's no kind of bias between makes and models or anything like that either. No, that's awesome. So going back to that, that, that era, I mean, that was around the same time that, uh, you know, a lot of the, the chopper blogs were a big thing and some of the chopper forums, were you guys, you know, involved with that at all? Or was it more of just a local, you know, people you hung out with and, and not so much the, the online early social media stuff. More, 
more of the latter than the former for me. Um, while I was a member of the Jockey Journal, it was like I signed up so that I could use the search bar. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so that I could find information. And then uh, beyond that, like I don't I don't ever remember posting or, or really communicating with anybody online. At one point in time I do I I do remember from the two thousands being pretty active on a forum, but it was a car forum and uh, and never anything in the way of motorcycles. Motorcycles has always been for me it's always been much more personal. Um uh, it's always been you know, find the find the oldest dude with the longest beard, and then go hang out with him and see what he's doing, and see what he's got hiding in his shed that he hasn't used in thirty, forty years, or what? What does he think is stupid? Right. Or those kind of things. Yeah, and then well, you guys' proximity. I mean, you guys weren't too far from some of the death science guys too. Were you guys like friends with those guys, or know those guys at all, or were they kind of doing their own thing separately? I, I have never met any of those dudes. <laughs> Um, I met the prison guys down in Charlotte a couple times. They did a little work on one of my bikes, um, but I didn't have a, a workspace. Um, but yeah, North, North Carolina is kind of weird, man. Like people get into their, into their little groups and then they kind of close off. Um, you know, that's, uh, one of the things that I'm actually working on right now, like, you know, with, with doing the podcast, some of the other stuff is trying to get more connected with other people in the chopper world um on a club level um you know not necessarily to bring people in but just like you know we've spent years and years and years up in Asheville, um you know just tooling away on on bikes and building shit and just kind of riding and doing our thing um a lot of the times you know completely outside the realm of you know the popular crowd um you know and so like kind of getting out there and getting connected, you know, I, I'm, I'm trying to remember, uh, remember my years. And so I came back from Florida. I went to MMI in 2010. Um, and I came back like 2011 and that's when I, I, I'm pretty sure that I found the original founding group of guys through Chopkull. Um, cause I was looking for people when I got back cause I didn't fucking know anybody. And, I moved back to a trailer in the middle of fucking nowhere in Thurmond, North Carolina. Um, and, uh, you know, you can, you can count the teeth of my, all of my neighbors on that street on one hand, <laughs> you know, it was, um, I mean, it's a beautiful area, but like the specific area where I was, was, was not awesome. Um, and so I was like, I need to find some people to hang out with. Cause I got nothing in common with the people around here. Um, there's actually shout out to the Chillbillies Road Crew over there, and I think they're in Wilkesboro, which is right around there. Right. So there is something that's popped up in that area, but I, I'm pretty sure I found it through uh, Chop. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, what was that? The what do they call it? The Brolo decks. <laughs> they got the where you know you post up like if you're doing rides or whatever to hook up with other people. I think it's called on the forum. Yeah. There. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's funny. Um, Actually, I've, I've, we've met a few people out this way that have kind of connected. Because this area is similar, you know, and it kind of goes back to a lot of the people that are into choppers now come from that skateboarding background. And it's not so much that they're cliquish, it's just that these are people that have hung out for the last 15 or 20 years skating, and now they're into choppers. And so they still just kind of stick within their own group, you know. And um, But, yeah, I mean, that's a very similar thing, I think, everywhere and you know i think sometimes like when you don't know people and 
and you come into a group of people that have a lot of history together, it can be a little, uh, you know, maybe intimidating or, or you feel like an outsider because these people have all that connection, you know? Um, but it's definitely cool that you guys are trying to expand on that. And one thing I've noticed, um, you know, is the, the club thing, it, people kind of now, especially because of the TV and everything, they have this idea of what a club is. And then they find right. out you're in a club and then they are like, oh, well, you know, why do you want to follow a bunch of rules? And, you know, why do you got a prospect? They, they don't quite understand it. So I don't know if you guys are comfortable talking about your guys' process of, you know, when people do come around and if they're into it and you guys get along and they want to become a part of it. You know, if you guys want to talk about that at all. Yeah, sure, man. Um, you know, well, well, to, to, we probably should have led with this. You know, we're not a motorcycle club. Um, we do not have an MC cube. We don't have a bottom rocker with any territory on it. We obviously don't wear a 1% diamond. You know, we are, we're not even really a riding club. We're like, we're a chopper club. The other clubs in the area, you know, we, they know what we're doing. We're cool with all of them. Um, you know, we're, we're basically like a social club, um, that revolves around choppers. You know, we do have patches and a probate period, but we're not an MC. Um, so, but I mean, but you there's, know, there's plenty of brotherhood, but the real emphasis is put on the bikes and, you know, your creativity and being able to do things with your hands there. The, uh, yeah. the, the, one of the, one of the biggest points, one of the biggest points that we've always, we've always tried to make is, you know, like if, if we take off and we get going somewhere, you know, we shouldn't need to bring any kind of sport vehicle, you know, um, no trailers or anything like that. Let's go ahead and take off on 40 year old bikes. And, and everybody that's in, within the group has, you know, generally some kind of something to lend should something go awry, which, you know, I mean, if you're riding anything that's 40 years old, it's bound to be like that. So, uh, with the, with the emphasis put more on, you know, being the ones that, that put our bikes together and, and we're the ones who, who maintain them and all that stuff. There's never been any kind of like, you know, we're going to be turnkey ready to go at any kind of moment. So our, our club is a bit more, a bit more relaxed and laid back than how the majority of folks probably view a club. And the majority of what we're doing is, you know, spent in the garage working on it. And then, uh, and then go out and ride around some. <laughs> we don't right. really go anywhere, but we do go to uh, we do go to uh, as many events as we possibly can, and you know we'll push the limits sometimes. I think uh, this year we're planning on going to the Grundle Run there. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, to, to answer your question more directly, though, um, you know we we do have a hang around period, we do have a uh, probate period, but you know we're not. We're not doing that like military standard, like okay, well we're gonna break you down to build you up and see how far we can push you and um, you know mud check you and all the stuff that goes on in traditional clubs um, because it's really not needed for what we're doing. You know that there, there's a reason those clubs do those things um, and it's been you know tried and true for years and years and years um, and we get it and we respect it. You know. Um, I have another history with clubs outside of this, so I firsthand know and have experienced and been a part of all that. Um, but for us, it's really getting to know you and letting you get to know us um, because we do still have that commitment level where, like, if you're joining, we expect you to be here. Um, you know, my probate period, I rode or occasionally drove from Greensboro to Asheville, which is like two and a half, three hours, and I did that 
you know, for two weekends a month. Um, and I did that all through my membership for years and years. So, you know, there's, there is that commitment level there. Um, the probate period for us really is a chance for us to get to know you, for you to get to know us. And um, a big part of it is, you know, while we're not an MC, we do have patches. We are a part of that world. So making sure that you know protocol, that you know how things work with clubs, because, you know, we do have to function in that world from time to time. Um, and, you know, um, I think Magoo put it best. I was telling, I was telling uh, a probate one time and, you know, he kind of had that look on him like, oh man, this sounds like a bunch of rules. Like once you get into doing it, it it's not rules. It's just how you do shit. You know, it's, it's, you don't even notice that you're following rules because once you start participating in the club, it makes sense why things are the way that they are. And it's so that everything functions. So, you know, um, but any, anybody with a patch um, from, you know, riding club level all the way up to 1% will tell you that being in a club of any level is not for everybody. You know, some some guys just want to go do their own thing, and that's totally cool. Some of us like being a part of a group. You know, I love having brothers that I can count on all the time. You know, um, it's one of those things where um, you, know, you talked about how, a lot of guys came from like punk rock and skateboarding. I came from like not so much skateboarding. Um, I was a I, I, I was an inline skater, so I got made fun of by the skateboarders. <laughs> um, yeah, but um, but I was in bands, so I always had that like close group of people that I was spending all my time with, and the rest of the world got kind of shut out. Um, and for us weird kids in high school, like that's important. You find your little group, and then you just ignore everybody else. Um, and you know, that, that ended up graduating into, into me being in clubs, you know, it's, I'm a weird dude. We're all weird. We're all a little <laughs> off, you know, and we fit well together. And a lot of us sometimes find ourselves in weird social situations. Like, you know, I, I'm around like some of the, the hipster dudes that are like too cool for everybody. And like, I don't want to hang out with those dudes, like they, with the egos and, the have to do this and that to be cool you know that's that's not how we are we're very like accepting and inclusive and um you know so yeah i mean it's getting in is really just making sure that you're a good fit for us and that you know how things how things work right yeah no i mean and definitely we, and, we, and we might fuck with you a little bit <laughs> You can push your bike. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a big one. We 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 make our probates uh push their bike. And uh you know, but everything we do has a reason. And the reason we make you push your bike is because inevitably you are going to break down. Right. And you know, we will we will stay with you and not leave you, but if you need to push your bike to a gas station, you know, I'm not gonna push it for you. I'll help <laughs> you if you need it, but you know, you gotta be able to do it. Right. So I thought we always made them push their bike that way they'd learn how stupid T bars and rabbit ears are. <laughs> Hell yeah. Some ape hangers, Magoo. Nah, you got more leverage with ape hangers. Right. That is the worst thing about mids is is you know when you're trying to push your bike and you're racking your shin against your mid. It's terrible. <laughs> That's why you put an air pin on like a clevis pin that way you can pop it out on that side. There you go. Solid pegs. <laughs> Exactly. So, yeah, well, I mean, yeah, that, that covers, you know, a big part of, you know, what I was curious about because, 
again, I you know the Chopper Club thing. Whether you know it's as formalized as you guys with you know wearing a patch and and I assume bylaws and and what goes with that, versus just more informal groups of people that are basically doing the same thing, you know, and knowing yeah, how I they think, operate. Uh, I think you know? there are a lot of garage companies out there, you know, right. and uh, the, the internet there with uh, things like Top Colt and stuff like that, you know, that probably gave away to to a lot of it. But uh, like Flip was saying, here in Western North Carolina, we don't really see so much of that. Right. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's actually very closed off and, you know, coming into even the late 2000s, there, you know, they still had like dial-up internet at like schools right. and stuff like that. So, um, like a lot of the a lot of the internet stuff didn't really come around really, really, really hard until you know a few years later. And uh, it's uh, it's interesting that you know we have things like Chopperfest, uh, and uh, the very first year for Smoky Mountain Chopperfest, there uh, I forget what year it was, but it's been a few years back now. And uh, we uh, we were in a team for that one, and boy, oh boy, there were a lot of garage companies that just came out of the woodwork from all over. It was really great. Yeah. Do, you, do you remember? Do you remember that first Chopper Fest, Magoo? Yeah. <laughs> if, I, if I'm not mistaken, that was my my last uh, weekend of probating for the stumblers. It was, and I'm surprised <laughs> that you remember that weekend. Oh Jesus! Yeah, that was. So I, I will tell you a, a, a very. Um, entertaining story about chopper fest to veer off on a tangent um so we went to and i'm gonna i'm gonna leave some names and stuff out out of respect for the, the other people but um we were at a spot doing a, a pre-party and um i was being not quite force-fed but force-fed um white lightning moonshine <laughs> um and you know i mean i can i can handle my liquor i'm a big dude you know not tall, but I'm big. I'm wide. Um, and uh, so I was Don't fine. Uh, yeah, I was fine. And Sunday morning comes around. And I wake up. It's probably 4.35 in the morning on Sunday morning. And I'm, I'm about to have <clears throat> the worst diarrhea of anyone on the face of the earth. Directly from the mass quantity of straight moonshine I had drank on Friday. That had liquefied everything in my body. <laughs> so I start running across the field. It's still dark, and I open the um, I open the the porta potty that had been used all weekend, and the contents were cresting higher than the lid. <laughs> oh man! Um, so needless to say, I just stood outside and destroyed that porta potty from the outside. <laughs> Um, and the ride back was miserable. Uh, we helped somebody get, we, we, we did have a, a chase vehicle for that and it was a truck. Um, and we did, we helped somebody whose bike was, was down. Um, and it actually caught on fire, I think. Uh, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it caught on fire. So we were helping them get it back to their spot so that they, you know, they could work on it and shit. Um, and I'm, I'm just fucking miserable. I run in their spot and blow that up. Um, and then we ride all the way back to Asheville. I'm about as miserable as I can be. Um, I can send you, I can send you a picture. Um, I think it's actually on our Instagram. I might post it on our Instagram 
for the little caption so people listening to this can go look. Yeah. Of, of me, of me, how I looked getting ready to leave that morning. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, so like I got back to Asheville and I was ready to go because I still had to go all the way to Greensboro. So you know, it took us a few hours between helping this dude with his bike and everything. And I'm just like, I want to go home and lay down in my bed. And um, you know, the <laughs> Magoo and the president at the time call me over and they're like we need to talk to you, get in the clubhouse. And I'm like, oh, shit, this is just what I need right now. And they call me in there, and they're all mean mugging. And, you know, I've been around clubs a while, so I knew. I, I had a sneaking suspicion um, of what was happening. But, you know, there's still that, that little element of, like, oh, God, did I do something? Because there's plenty of other <laughs> stories from that weekend that I could go through that I'm not going to. Right. Um, and, yeah, and that's, that's when I got patched in. So, that was that was one of the many Copperfest stories from the first Copperfest. Um, Magoo, was that the one where they had the boxing? It was. It was. With the vans circled up. Yeah, yeah. They circled the vans and had boxing gloves, and everyone was punching each other. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that uh, that was uh, it was fun to be had by all for sure. Right. Um, and then uh, the the subsequent years there, of course, they uh, they. They were awesome in their own right, but they kind of lacked the luster of, of that very first time. That's you know some magic there that that you kind of almost can't capture. And I, uh, from a, a bunch of the clubs that I remember talking to, then there were uh, you know it's, uh, it's funny to bring up Death Science because there were there were guys that came out from from beyond where those dudes are, like even from like out towards like the Outer Banks, and uh, uh, I think uh, one one club in particular. Uh, uh, actually came from the Outer Banks, and, and I was looking at what they were riding, and one of them had a knuckle, and the other uh, the other five guys that were there were on shovels, and uh, it was it was it was great to see you know see people taking things that you know the majority of people didn't even really get out of the showroom when it was new, and uh, and and bring them you know all the way across the state to have a cool alcohol fueled you know bruised weekend. Right. Yeah, and, and, you know, I always think that that's, like, an important part of, you know, what we do. And one of the things that I've seen a lot more of lately is, excuse me, I got the burps. <clears throat> Sorry. <laughs> Damn mm. Diet Coke. But, um, you know, like, now it's it's kind of, I'm seeing a lot more trailers and vans. And, and are, you know, both have a place, I guess. But, it, it you know, it, there's something to be said for when you get a group of people and you get on choppers and you ride choppers, you know, like you said, maybe one chase vehicle cause shit does happen, but you know, versus going to an event and, and loading everything up that way you can have your nice easy up tent and your cooler and your generator. It's and, cheating. <laughs> right. It's cheating. It's cheating, man. And if you ever, if you ever took off on your bike and decided to ride anywhere alone, and ended up sleeping on the side of the road or anything. That's cheating. Right. I'm sorry. That's cheap in my book. Nah. I mean, and, and I, I have changed it in, in, in the last few years. I gave up on the tent thing and took on the hammock thing, but that's actually uh, that's actually more problem than it's worth. Yeah. So, and then not to mention the fact that once you get completely wasted and you're laying in the hammock, it just kind of doesn't go over very well. Um, I think uh, what was it? The second year chopper fest, I shit in my hammock. <laughs> no. Yeah. The Carby. Uh, Harvey's in his hammock asleep, and we're all sitting by the fire, 
And Carvey looks like looks at his hammock. He's like, I think I pooped in my hammock. And we're like, dude, what? And he just rolls over and goes back to sleep. It turns out it was his flashlight. We, we, we were all super disappointed. But, um, yeah. I just laid on it. Oh, man. Yeah, he was laying on his flashlight. That's what it is. I get it in the morning. <laughs> Oh man, that's awesome. So, so what are some other, you know, events that you guys like to try to do um besides the the Chopper Fest? Is there any other things out your way that people should know about that maybe don't because they're kind of low key or Um, well, we do um we did congregation last year. We're probably we're, we're going to try to do that again this year. I know they changed the dates of it. Um I I sent my I submitted my bike to be an entry bike, but I haven't heard back from the prison dudes yet. So y'all listening, get back to me so my super cool sports here can be in the show. I'm uh, pretty sure they don't listen up here in Nashville. Who wants to put his in as well? Yeah, um, we uh, uh, shameless self promotion. Um, this October, assuming that all this coronavirus stuff, we'll be doing some kind of event, probably a ride and like camp out, um, back, uh, back at the end of last year, we actually lost a brother, um, Magoo and, and this brother and our brother sketch were going to meet up and go to a, um, like a biker blood drive event thing. Um, and, uh, car pulled out of him, pulled out in front of him. And uh, he he didn't have much time to break, and he he hit it, t-boned it, um, and he didn't make it. So we're gonna be doing a memorial run for him because um, the the interesting thing about about Sketch was that he liked riding way more than wrenching, mm-hmm. um, to the point where sometimes we had to force him to wrench on his bike. Right, like chain would be like dragging the ground. <laughs> yeah, because he did he didn't want it to be down at all because he wanted to ride. Yeah. So um, we're going to be doing a ride for him. Um, he left behind some some children, um, a new baby. Um, so uh, a- any money we get from that is going to go into their college fund. Um, we did a we threw together a car and bike show at the end of last year to try to help in the immediacy of the aftermath. Um, but it's going to be an annual thing. So if anybody feels like coming out, you can. Come watch Harvey poop in his hammock and camp no, out. No, no, no pooping in the hammock if I can any, help it. Um, any uh, any event that we do there in uh, in the fall when uh, when we have a run, it'll be it'll be localized to Western North Carolina. But Western North Carolina is a rather large place, and it's actually yeah. quite a uh, mecca for motorcyclists. Um, I found. Um, if if you've been to Chopper Fest or any of those in the last few years, you know that uh, that they're kind of up in the backs of things. And when you get up into the backs of stuff around here, you find some amazing roads around here. Uh, and yeah. uh, uh, in in such close proximity to so many roads that have such a draw for uh, for traveling on them and stuff like that, we thought that uh, you know it would be it would be most most best to uh to include you know maybe a run or something like that down uh down some of these roads out here i mean you might only go 20 miles but boy it feels like you went 150 yeah. sometimes <laughs> so well, like magoo like the time it took us like five hours to get to hot that's Spring. your fault <laughs> yeah that was entirely my fault well they, if i got um you know if there's any listeners out there that would be interested in maybe sponsoring or doing something like that um is that something you guys are are looking for 
or yeah i mean absolutely we're always looking for you know um you know every uh, everything we're going to do for this event you know is for him and for his kids so um you know even if it's just our you know us as members and our you know our friends going to do it like if that's all if, if those are all the people that come out that's cool we'll still we'll still raise some money we'll still do a raffle um right you know where we've been talking with some other area clubs trying to get them involved to come out and um you know do some support uh some of the other area clubs came out uh last year um to check out the bikes and offer some support and condolences which was cool right um so yeah i mean if 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 we could we've not really gotten that far yet on it this year but um we'll probably do some kind of a raffle all right cool so if you're listening out there and you want to support what's you know sounds like a really great cause um get in touch with these guys either through their instagrams probably the easiest way nowadays right yeah, um, instagram facebook yeah because i mean we're, you know. we're, we're all we're on the medias Right. <laughs> I, I know when we put on events, you know, like that's it's it's amazing how tight the community is and, and how many people come together for things like this. Um, you know, uh, we do a, a thing out here in Norfolk every year uh, for armed forces. And um, it, we've changed the we've done Fisher House and we've done some other things, you know, but it, it's really surprising who comes out and supports, you know, um, there's a few companies that are obviously really good about it, like Lowbrow and Biltwell. They support a lot of different events, but you know, even some smaller companies and tattoo artists have donated. So you never know who's listening. If you're out there and you know it's something you want to be involved with and you want to support, get a hold of these guys. Uh, yeah, we've and we we've done raffles um, in the past. We did one. Um, Magoo, you'll have to remind me what the name of the charity was, but um, it paired. Um, it paired. Homeless dogs with vets. Pets for vets. Pets for vets. Nice. Yeah. Um, and I think Lowbrow and a couple of those other companies I reached out and they donated. Um, I know that there was there's some heartburn about um, Show Class magazine and all that stuff with that dude with the cancer money. I, honestly, I didn't really read too much into it. I don't know um, anything about that. <laughs> yeah, it was all over Top Cult for forever, and it was it was a whole thing where. On my understanding, like the show class dudes loosely knew some guy and that dude was doing shady stuff. And so they got kind of thrown under the bus along with it. Um, show class. I don't think they're making show class anymore, but no, show um, class is out of print. Yeah. But um, the, the, you know, show class donated stuff. Every time I've asked them for a donation for a cause, they've always stepped up and like, a box full of stuff like there are some really good people out in the chopper community that are you know i mean and these people aren't making a ton of money you know you don't they're not you know occ west coast choppers you know these these are people running things out of their houses and stuff and um yeah always willing to donate is what i've found with the chopper community always willing to help out yeah yeah and we've uh we've reached out beyond the beyond the motorcycle community as far as you know the uh things that we've gone looking for to raffle off before and you may you may mention of uh tattoo artists getting involved and things like that and uh in the past uh we've uh, we've gotten uh, some of our local strip clubs uh to, to be involved as well you know and uh so you know end up having some pretty interesting prizes there and uh you know always kind of support the local community well that's, that's it S- sign me up i am coming <laughs> <laughs> 
but uh no in all seriousness no i mean that's that's you know the fallen brother thing um definitely been there and it's you know it's a hard thing not just on a club level but on a personal level because of how tight-knit we are and uh you know i think it's really cool that you guys are able to honor his memory and and do something to give back so um you know props for that um yeah so steering back to the bike thing you know we talked a little bit about it um so just let's get a little bit more general here and, and less about you know your specific club but just in your opinion like what do you guys consider a chopper and and you know like that fine line between you know because everybody has their own definition but i'm just kind of curious what your guys's definition is of, of what makes a bike a chopper well, Magoo is going to be far more opinionated about that than me, so I'm going to, I'm going to let him feel this one. Uh, I was going to say, I ought to let Flip go first, because I know it'll be short and sweet. <laughs> um, choppers, uh, uh, the word chopper is kind of like uh, the word religion. There's a lot of different forms of, of, of what it might present itself from, you know, anything that's got a hard tail to a swing arm frame or you know, completely modified frame where it's now single down tube on a Harley or something like that. The, uh, I don't think there's necessarily one defined form, especially for me. Um, but, uh, I do know what, uh, I do know what I gravitate back towards frequently for myself is generally American V twin powered with, uh, some kind of four speed transmission and, uh, as narrow a rear tire and narrow front tire as I could possibly get, um, prefer a hard tail, but I, I mean, my daily rider at the moment's a bagger, so I can't really say too much. It's not really a real bagger because it's like still 25 years old, 30 years old now at this point. But, uh, the, uh, the as far as as far as chopper goes for me it's it's more along the lines of how much work did you put into it because it's more of an idea than it is a particular thing if if you catch my drift yeah yeah well nicely worded flip can you add anything to that i mean that i think that was Um, pretty elegant right there (laughs) yeah yeah no that was good um you know, kind of what, what I would say at this point is, like, if, if you were to, like, go into my head, make me define a chopper, um, I would say a motorcycle where the frame has been chopped. So, um, you know, I've had people call my bike a bobber um, because it's, you know, it's got a stock length uh, sprayer on it um, and a well-done hardtail. So it looks more like those, the early like bobber choppers, you know, before they started doing the crazy long front ends and crazy paint and stuff. Um, I've got a peanut tank on it, you know, some apes, um, you know, but I, I think, I think that you can't, with what's going on now, you can't stick with those original definitions because, you know, if, if my bike was a pan or a knuckle and it looked like that, yeah, it'd be a bobber because I just took off some stuff, cut off some stuff, made some stuff smaller. Um, you know, we, we took the engine out of my rubber mount Sportster, converted it to car, welded on a hardtail. You know, the only thing stock on my bike is the engine, the front half of the frame, and the rear wheel. You know, so, um, you know, I would consider my bike a chopper, even though it's not, I didn't chop the neck. I chopped the rear end of it. Um, but uh, to me, you know, and Carby and, and I have had this discussion. I've had this discussion with other members. I think at this point, it's almost not like a tangible, definable thing. Like you see a bike and it either has it or it doesn't. 
Um, you know, I've seen some some like NorCal style swing arm sportster builds um, where a ton of work went into them. You can see like a ton of meticulous little machining, but it's still got the stock frame. Um, but you look at it, and you're like, yeah, that's a chopper. You know, um, I've also seen bikes that started out as a stock bike and were hacked to pieces. And I'm like, I don't know what that is, but it's not a chopper. <laughs> it's a Craigslist bike. Yeah, it's a Craigslist, it's a Craigslist special. So, um, you know, I, I think I think in this day and age, like, you can't go, and uh, some people are listening right now going, oh, this stupid kid doesn't know back in my day, um, you know, and but it, it isn't that day anymore, and, you know, things change. And so really, to me, it's, you know, how, it, it either has it or it doesn't. And, and when you look at a bike, it either has it or it doesn't. Right, and and even then, you know, if you if you want to look at back in the day type definitions, there it, uh, a chopper is something different from coast to coast, and generally it was to it was something that was created and and would suit a particular purpose, like the guys that were friscoing their tanks, you know, and uh, yeah. putting flat bottoms on them, making them high mount, putting the uh, the fill point to the highest point on the tank when it's on the kickstand, you know, stuff like that. And you had you had plenty of folks, you know, in in the Midwest that were putting overlength front ends on them and still leaving the swing arms on that, right. you know, not converting out to an order frame and not hard tailing that frame. And meanwhile, you get over into you know the, the you get really short, stocky bikes that are good for handling around cities and things like that, you know. And, and it's a crapshoot whether it's a hard tail or not. It's it's really it's one of those things that it's like it's very hard to define. For me, it's very hard to define a chopper. It's kind of like kind of like how music has become in our modern era where there's not a such thing as rock and roll anymore. Now it's, you've got emo and goth and then EDM and outlaw country and punk and like, and all these other things. It's not just one defined category. So something like flip spike there, you know, while me personally, I might call it a chopper. I think he calls it a chopper. Um, the, the thing is there's, very good majority of people out there that probably wouldn't call it that. Right. No, they'd call it a bobber. <laughs> See, and, <laughs> a and, and, and that, that's something that, like, for me, you know, and, and, and the reason why I ask this question is because, like, and you guys have both been around for a while, so you know, like, it gets to a point where, like, I don't remember not knowing what a chopper was, so at least what I define a chopper as, you know? Like, I don't ever remember not knowing. I, they just have been a part of my life for so long that, like, so I like to ask other people because, you know, I talk to a lot of younger people, especially through the podcast. I get people that reach out and ask questions or ask for opinions on stuff, you know, and it, it's cool to me that, you know, like you said, it is highly evolved and it always has been. And, you know, like the, the two words that I can't stand is is bobber because it it has meaning now, but it didn't really exist. You know what I mean? Like nobody called it that. <laughs> And, right. and old school, like, because old school doesn't mean anything like, you know, because chopper trends change every five minutes and they have since the first stock bike got modified in 19 whatever, you know, right. There is no school. I mean, you know, what's popular now isn't going to be popular six months from now. And we've seen it already with like the narrow T bars and the rabbit ears, you know, like once they become mass market, red rims and white walls. Oh, God. <laughs> sorry. And I, I know there's people out there that love that shit still. And I don't want to make fun of them, but like, that's to me, that's like, 
you know, even on hot rods, I don't like it, you know, like. But, okay, but but, but here, here's here's something that, that, this is just my opinion, though. Like, people need to calm down, you know, like, I make fun of my brother's bikes all the time. They make fun of my bikes all the time. At the end of the day, you build what you want, you know, so, yep. like, if somebody wants to make fun of my little sportster, go for it all day long. It doesn't bother me. Um you know, I, I will absolutely make fun of somebody with red rims and white walls on their bike, <laughs> especially if it's paired with, um, you know, like the old fighter plane, like shark, uh, <laughs> shark paint job, you know, because I yeah. think it looks terrible. With all crap green on the tank. Yeah. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that I'm attacking you as a person. It just means that I want to save your engine from that motorcycle so I can build something cool. With it, you right. know? <laughs> but I mean, but, but at the same time, people feel the same way about my bike, you know, yeah. like. They look at it. It's a it's a chop 2009 Nightster. You know, Gross. I can't tell you how many people have looked at me and they're like, "You realize with the money that you spent buying that bike? Because I bought it new off the showroom floor before I knew how to ride." Right. Um. You know, they're like, "With the money you spent buying that bike and then chopping it, you could have built two shovel heads." Yeah. And they're like, "You're stupid. You should have sold that and bought a shovel head." And in retrospect, maybe I should have. Uh, well, wow. <laughs> it, it is what it is now. You know, so. Um, you know, I think when you get into the motorcycle world, especially like into the club world, um, and, and the world of like the old gray beard bikers and stuff, if, if you're gonna, if you're gonna be so like, I don't want to use the word soft, that that's a condescending word, but like, um, sensitive, so- you know, soft like, oh, works. <laughs> yeah. Like he, he made fun of my bike. Like you're not going to make it in this community because, the majority of people in this community are going to look at you like, dude, I'm just giving you shit. Like, right. you know, like nobody does that with the intention of hurting your feelings. It's just what it is. You know, I, I um, you know, brought a sketch. I gave him shit every single week because he rode a Honda. I have no problem with Hondas, <laughs> but it was just, you know, that's just what we do. Like, he'd be like, you know, I'd be like, hey, why don't you get a real motorcycle? You know, go get yourself a Harley and we can build a chopper out of it. You can throw that Honda in the in the ditch somewhere. He's like, oh, yeah, man, that's cool. So I can be broken down on the side of the road four times on a 40-mile <laughs> trip like you. Like you, you know? guys. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, so it's like it's just it's a back and forth that just comes with it, you know. Right. Um, you know, sport, sport bike guys, you know, you, you give them shit, they give you shit. Bagger guys, you give them shit, they give you shit. Everyone has their own thing, but at the end of the day, I think most people have an appreciation for what everyone everyone is doing. You know, right. um, I can't stand diggers. I think they're just awful looking. You but shut your mouth. <laughs> yeah, but if there's a really good looking digger at a show that a lot of work has been put into, I'm still going to stand there and look at it. You know. Right. Um, so yes, I, if you have red red rims and white walls on your bike, I. Not making fun of you, but I'm judging you a little bit. <laughs> You're being judged. <laughs> All the judgment. So, what what would you say again? This is just personal opinion, but like, what what is that thing that you see on a bike that just makes you cringe? Like, just you know, throw up in your mouth a little bit, like because everybody's got that thing, right? Mm. Shaft drive. <laughs> Shaft drive. Fair. Um, radiator. I, I I think I think I have to go with skulls and bullet holes. <laughs> That's a good one. Skull, skulls and bullet holes. And you know I I may lose some listeners here, but my biggest thing is when people put 
like jockey shift on unit motors, like sportsters and things, where you're adding yes. more and not taking yes. away. They're like that drives me fucking nuts. And agreed with like a glass doorknob <laughs> for like a shifter handle. I, right. I was literally looking at the lead sled kit last week for mine. <laughs> yeah. I decided against it because I'm short and I need to, and, and I don't feel comfortable by having one foot up. Right. When <laughs> I stop, but. Yeah. And I will say, if you're just one of those people that, that wants to try jockey shift or whatever, you know, cool. I get it. Like, you know, if you're going to have a foot clutch, you got to figure out a way to shift. I, I got it. But when I see that shifter up there, I'm just like, man, you've got like three feet of fucking Harbor Freight, oh. you know, like oh, no. shifter. I was, looking at, I was looking at the behind the leg one. See, that one I get because then you get the, the same. The short one, yeah. Right, yeah. But, you know, when you see those guys like with the, and it was a big thing back in the 2000s, you know, but it's like the four foot shifter on yeah, a sportster yeah, yeah. and then maybe put the clutch handle on on the shifter yeah too, that's know? that's a little cringy when you put the clutch hand handle on it right because it's kind of you're, you're kind of cheating right like the whole reason why those are cool is because it's like that's another level of sketchy right you know? <laughs> it's but like when you put the clutch handle on it it's like okay well it's not really that different than it was before right yeah it's just it's like I'm the belt and suspenders thing you know it's like you either wear suspenders or you wear a belt you know Right. I'm, I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start wearing suspenders and a belt now. Oh, go for it, man! <laughs> Got to be like the big Harley one, though. You know, like like that says Harley Davidson down the sides. <laughs> Absolutely, with a giant Harley belt buckle. There you go. <laughs> Rainbow suspenders. Those are hot, Gallagher style. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it, you know, and I think back to like. Again, and, and I'm reminiscing here a little bit because you guys kind of come from the same era I do. And, and that's, you know, like when I first started building a bike, nobody quite understood like why you would want drum brakes. Like every old gray beard I knew when I was talking about drum brakes was like, why? They just couldn't understand why you wouldn't go with disc because disc are so much easier on maintenance and whatever, you know. And, and I was asking like, what fits what? And these guys are like, you kids are stupid. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I've I've had many of those conversations. Um, I was I was at a bike show with a friend one time. Um, he is in his uh, late sixties, and I was looking at a a knucklehead shop, and I was like, "Man, I wish you know, I wish one day I could have like a knuckle or a pan or something." I it's just out of my out of my price range. And he was like, dude, when I had my fucking pan head, when, when the shovel heads came out, we fucking took the top end off our fucking pan heads and put the shovel head tops on them. You know why? Because it was better. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, when, when, disc, when disc brakes were out, were a thing, we could retrofit them, we did. Like, we built choppers, but we also upgraded performance. Yeah. And now, and now it seems people are going backwards, you know. But I don't, I don't feel like from what I've uh, gained from talking to people that were shopping back in like the '70s and '80s and stuff, you know, they don't, they don't get this period correct thing that we're doing because if they had had it their way, they would have had the nicest bike and then chopped it. Right. Yeah, I mean, and and that's one thing that's crazy to think about is these guys were chopping bikes that were like five years, ten years old, maybe. If you had a twenty-year-old bike, that thing was fucking ancient, you know. <laughs> Do you ever watch the um, the the hunting Harley's guy on YouTube? I've seen once or twice when I was looking up something specific, and I'll I'll watch one of his things. 
but not yeah, a whole there, lot. Yeah. There was there was a video where he's got this bike. Um, he's got this chopper, and it I think it has a knuckle in it. But the picture he has of it from like when it was built, it had a shovel. And he was talking about how like if you had a shovel chopper in that era, like you were fucking rich. Right. Because basically you spent a bunch of money to order a roller kit from a company. You went to the dealership and bought a brand new shovel head. You pulled the the engine and the transmission out of your brand new shovel head and put it in this brand new chopper roller. And mm-hmm. he was like, basically you're buying two bikes. Right. You know? Um, and he was like, so I, I think I saw this video a long time ago, but I think the premise of it was he was like, when he got rid of the bike, he threw a knucklehead engine in it so he could keep his shovelhead engine because <laughs> it was a shovel. And now, of course, you know, if you have the choice between a shovel and a knuckle financially, you'd throw the shovel in there and keep your knucklehead engine. So, right. Yeah. And, and that's what it all goes back to is, is, you know, like we're, we're, our agenda is so different, you know, and, and on, on one hand, I mean, on the bike side of it, you know, the lifestyle side of it, I think that we're all just out to have a good time and enjoy each other's company and enjoy the road, you know, and that's universal, but you know, it was definitely about having the fastest, hottest, you know, flashiest bike back then. And not about having like the, the oldest, crustiest, crappiest piece of shit that's worth stupid amounts of money because it's fucking 80, 90 years old, you know? So, yeah, it was, you know, but it like like we said earlier, though, it's we're not living in those times we're living now. So it, it's completely different. But it, it is something crazy to think about, though, is that, you know, because I, I definitely remember, you know, like iron heads were cheap. Nobody wanted them. And that hasn't changed a lot. But <laughs> no, oh, that's rude. I, I've, got, I've, I've got an iron head project for sale. If anyone is looking. Are, are you paying them to take it? I mean, yeah, I like I like bass fishing. I do need a new anchor, so you know. <laughs> but no, I, I mean, aluminum. Aluminum. They're not as good as an anchor yeah, as your typical anchor. So. That's true. No, I mean, and and I love like I had my my first Harley was a '78 Ironhead, and it like I got really lucky. I'd gotten one that was like was was built really well and taken care of. But that was 20 years ago, you know, like finding one now that hasn't been fucked three ways from Sunday by somebody that doesn't know what they're doing is really rare. That's why they have such a bad rap, you know, but even in their day, they were fast and they didn't have a rev limiter on them. So you could, you could race them until they blew up, you know, they were, they were intended to be a race bike. Right. They haul ass. Yeah. But yeah, Yeah, now. And, and really, really, if you're, if you're somebody who's looking for an iron head nowadays, you need to, you need to pay more attention to the years. Um, the years when the factories were retooled, your 78 was a good, was a good motor because that was close to a retool point, um, in the factory. When you start getting away from your tooling, uh, uh, origin dates there, your, your tooling stuff comes more loose and your tolerances open up. And those are, I think really, you know, through what AMF put uh, Harley through uh, through the '70s, there, you know, they lost a, they lost a lot of confidence in the in the uh, general public because they didn't retool their factories and things like that um, during proper times when they should have. So they ended up putting a lot of uh, a lot of less than less than tolerable product out into the market, and then uh, fast forward, you know, into the folks that can that can't afford those things, you know, they're like in the, in the, uh, late 2000s, early 2010s. 
teens, whatever, um, when ironheads were, were a hot commodity, um, the majority of them that I saw, they were just, they were just dogged out and you could tell that they were dogged out from their inception. Yeah. 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 So, so with that being said, if, if somebody like, you know, is, comes up to you and asks you, Hey, you know, I, I really want to build a chopper. What do you recommend as, as a starting off point? Like, what do you guys recommend to people when they ask you that? Cause you got to get asked that, right? Yeah. Yeah, totally. The, it, it really, it really depends on if you want to do more riding or working. And if, if you're fine with doing the working and probably rebuilding it every year, get you one of those cool looking iron heads. If you want to ride it more, find you Evo. Evos are cheap and enough the parts from, you know, all those other engines there before still fit those still fit those Evo engines there. Um, those Evos forties from the late two thousands, I think you can still put points in those even. Yeah. So you can uh, you can take it back to, you know, bare bones minimum and and make it as, as retro as you want to there without losing any of the modern day metric reliability. Yeah, I would, um, if they were, you know, if they were just getting into it, I would probably recommend an Evo Sporty specifically. Um, and the reason I'd recommend the Sportster is because, um, you know, those, the, the Evo engines and the transmissions do still cost a little bit of money. Um, you know, for a thousand bucks, you can get an Evo engine. So, you know, if you blow up an Evo engine, and you don't have the skills to rebuild it yourself, and you don't want to pay someone to rebuild it, you can pull it out and buy another engine and throw it in there and beat on down the road. Um, you know, I actually um, took mine from fuel injection back to car. Um, I installed a carb on it. I used a Thunderheart ignition. Um, you know, but if I had to do it again, I would, I would definitely... Now I'd probably go with the Big Twin Evo, um, but if you're just getting into it, I would advise not to start spending tons of money. I can't tell you how many guys I've known that have been like, yeah, I want to get into choppers. And they start unloading money on projects just to figure out that they're in over their head. Um, and then they just, it just kind of sits and then they sell it off and they lose a bunch of money. Um, so yeah, my recommendation would be definitely like Evo Sportster. Um, yeah. Because they're they're pretty bulletproof, and if somehow you do manage to mess one up, you can just swap the engine out. So yeah, I'm all about that hustle, you know. I'm all about the four thousand dollars shovel head that I'm gonna part out for three thousand dollars and lose a thousand dollars on. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, and, and that's usually like I always tell people too is is my particular thing is try to find a sportster between like ninety nine and oh three. Because, you know, and not to say rubber mounts don't make good choppers, but there's a lot of work involved in them, you know, whereas the, yeah, there is. the rigid mount uh, sportsters are, are so easy to find things that fit and make things fit and work, you know. Well, and I think the other thing is, like, I, I love watching people catch the bug, you know. Like, once you get it and you're in it, you're in it. Um, and, like, if you start with a more complicated project or an older project, there's a lot of places for roadblocks that might deter you from ever actually getting out on the road on that bike. Um, I think if you can get, you know, if you can get a, even, man, even if it's just a Sportster that you put over fork tubes and some struts on and swap out the tank and put a sissy bar and some rabbit ears, like once you've taken a few trips on a chopper and seen how different it is 
from like a bagger, like a street glide or a soft tail, either it'll bite you or it won't. And if it doesn't, you're like, well, this sucks. I want <laughs> my stereo and comfort. That's cool. You go do that. But if, if, if that's something that like, as corny as it sounds, like if it's something that speaks to you that you identify with, then you're going to have an easier time. If you want to go back and build a shovel, you know, you won't get as frustrated and as close to just being like, this is stupid if you've already caught the buck. So yeah. starting with something easy, cheap, reliable, um, I think is definitely the way to go. Right. And there's, there's plenty of, plenty of 91 to 91 to about 2001 sports shirts out there that you can get for, you know, a lot of times less than three grand. Again, the three grand's even on the high end there. And, uh, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't even be afeard of buying something like an 883 or coming up on an 883 or a lot of times, you know, you can find one of those given away and you drag it out from underneath some double wide or, you know, two townships away, uh, knock the mud off of it and put one of those 1200 kits on it. You're golden. Yeah. Um, it's never but, the 883R uh, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, the, uh, the other thing there to do definitely would be to, uh, take your, take your modern era, your modern era stuff like your like your belt drive and go ahead and ditch that and throw you a chain on it. Um, that uh, that in its own is 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 quite the worthy downgrade there because now you've got something repairable on the side of the road as well. Yeah. Really, Carby? Carby, how do how do I fix my chain when it falls off on the side of the road? You well, you call me. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, no, I need you to show me again. I, we only did it like eight times on that one truck. Mm-hmm. 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 Well, that'll, that'll teach you to buy a chrome chain and a chrome sprocket. Well, <laughs> what, what's that? Uh, 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 silence speaks volumes. <laughs> chrome, chrome will get you dumb. Is no, that what so, I? Heard? No. So the deal, <laughs> yep. the deal with that chain was somehow or another, my sprocket was actually bent, and my chain was like a little kinked, and you couldn't really tell until we got it in the shop and like got it up and started spinning the wheel. Um, but yeah, I would, when I would take off, I would throw the chain and we'd get off. We'd, we, you know, we'd un, un, take off the chain, you know, readjust everything, put it back on, install it. Be like, cool. This looks good to go. Get, you know, 15, 20 minutes down the road and throw the chain. Um, it was, it was really weird. And I still have no clue how I bent that sprocket. I didn't like the bike didn't fall over or anything. Nothing ran into it. Just massive it amounts weird. of torque. Yeah, yes. it's from it's, his from his rubber mount hardtail sporty. Yeah, it was. It's just too much. It's too right. much. Yeah, it was all the black. Yeah, and my bike completely black. blacked out. Yeah, what, what's that that That's they say? The, the murdered what? out. Yeah, mm-hmm. was, yes, it was the, murdered out. Murdered the, out. The, 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 yeah, those were like the two shiny pieces on the bike, and they were trying to leave. Right. <laughs> they were like they didn't want to be part of that blacked out nonsense. Right. That's awesome. So getting back, like how often do, you know, like if you guys are all, let's say, I don't know, you get, I assume you guys go to bars, right? We never. Never, never, right? Never, sir. But, you know, if you got all the bikes parked out and then you get somebody that comes along and, you know, stock bike and then they see what you're into, like how many of those people have come around and ended up hanging out and building shoppers and, and becoming part of the family that y'all got going? I'd say 80% of them. <laughs> That's rad. Yeah. Realistically, um, 
what we have here in, in Western North Carolina, the bike community is a really tight knit. And, uh, for the majority of folks that, uh, that are hanging out at the bar, they're, they're generally new to Western North Carolina or not involved in the, uh, in the bar scene there. So when we, when we have somebody who comes around where we're actually, you know, the people that would approach us at the bar and stuff like that generally are the ones that, you know, we don't know from another club or something like that. And, um, a lot of times, uh, a lot of times, you know, they've, they've got something going on themselves. Um, we've, uh, we've met a few guys here recently. Well, it was back, uh, back towards the end of last fall, beginning of the winter there, um, at, uh, at the bars, there's some new guys that popped up in town that, uh, as a pair of brothers and they both had pan heads. And uh, they moved here recently, and now they're local to the area, and they were looking for folks to go ride with and such. And uh, we've uh, we've been happy to uh, uh, oblige them with with uh, situations when it was possible here this spring. Yeah, but um, you know, we a lot of a lot of times what you get what you get at the bar is you get uh, get a handful of old guys that you know pull up on a gold wing. We actually have a guy locally who shows up on a gold wing and he's towing a trailer, and there's a pig named Elvis in the trailer. <laughs> and uh, these uh, these folks are the are the ones that I usually most entertain myself because I want to know what the hell's going on there, yeah. and uh, I definitely need to know for my own personal validation, you know, what they've been doing on two wheels for the last thirty years, last forty years. Yeah, and it'll 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 also be interesting. You know, we um, we've just expanded out to having a drifter chapter, and we've got a couple other couple other things in the works um, for as far as like growing outside of Asheville. Um, so it'll it'll be interesting to see because you know for almost a decade now we've been in Asheville, and um, I've you know I'm I'm down here in Greensboro, um, North Carolina, which is in the middle of the state. Um, and you know, when I'm riding around, the reactions that I get here are way different than Asheville. Asheville's a weird town. So when you roll up on some ridiculous bike with, you know, like a shiny metal flake helmet, um, people don't really bat an eye because there's, you know, some dude that just went by five seconds ago with a three foot top hat on a unicycle, you know, <laughs> playing a yep. bagpipe. So, yep. you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's but like, you know, here in Greensboro, some of the other places that I go. Like choppers are really out there, so it's it's going to be interesting to see how those conversations go as we expand out. Because you know we've kind of been in Asheville, where you know as weird as we are, like we're the normal people. Right. So you guys still there? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. I wasn't sure. It got a little static on my side. I thought I lost you guys. No worries. Nah. So with the, with the expanding, is that something you guys want to talk about some more, or you want to just let people follow along on uh, as that tracks? Um, well, you know that's that's one of those things where like um, we're still working that out. Um, anybody that knows about clubs and motorcycles knows that you don't just say, "Well, I'm going here and I'm going to do this." You know, there's there's groundwork that has to be laid. There's things you have to do, and um, that's kind of what we're in the process of. Um, we do have Drifter Chapter, um, which uh, which is what I'm running. Um, we have some we have some probates that are in some random places. Um, you know, choppers and like what I found is that guys that want to be in clubs, a lot of them are like, I just want to ride a stock Harley fast. You know, 
Right. Um, and a lot of the chopper dudes are like, I want to build cool shit, but I don't want to deal with your club stuff. Like, it very much seems most of the time to be two separate worlds. So finding the right people that fit with us that are interested in both is kind of niche. So, um, you know, we for years, we've had people contacting us from all over the place or meeting people at events. and like, man, I'd love to get that going here. Um, so we're, we're working on trying to get that get that going where um, people that are like minded that are doing the same things as us, you know, we can we can set up with them and we can expand, you know. Um, Carby and I have talked at great length about like how cool it would be if we had chapters all over the place because then it's like now we have somewhere to go. Right. Like, you know, I'm going to hop on my bike and I'm going to ride up to this other state and visit these brothers and fucking crash at their on their couches and in their garages and, you know, just gives you a destination, gives you a place to stay, you know, and interrupt um, their lives for a week. Right. Yeah. You know, go mess with them instead of just messing with each other all the time. So, um, yeah, I mean, we're, we're working on it. Uh, if you follow the social media, you'll see some stuff pop up. But, um, you know, obviously with club stuff, there's some stuff that you just have to do. Nothing like nefarious, but, you know, just paying the proper respects to the proper people. And um, that's kind of currently what we're working on to make sure we're not stepping on any toes. Because even though we're not an MC, we've got great relationships with the clubs in Asheville, um, mm. you know, from riding clubs to support clubs to diamond clubs. Like, you know, we, we get along with everybody. Um, and you know, we, we want to continue that if we expand out. So, um, that's, that's coming. That's, you know, we, uh, that stuff will start, uh, start coming out in the next couple of years. I think it'll be bigger. Yeah. Did you, you have something yep. you want to add to that, Magoo? No. Um, okay. uh, Flip's pretty much hit everything on the head there. Right. Um, we're uh, we're 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 moving th- moving through things as as they come, and like you said, a lot of things just take time there. Right. But uh, you know, I mean, maybe hopefully one day, you know, Stumbler's coming to a place near you. Yeah, and and just as a takeaway from that, like I think people listening that maybe don't have any idea, um, you know when you start up anything, whether it's, and it's not just the motorcycle club. And I know with you guys, I'm speaking more to the audience and not to you guys. Cause you guys already know this, but you know, you don't just get five of your buddies together and, and get online and order a set of rockers and decide that you're a club and start riding around. You know, that's not the right way to do things and you can like it or you can hate it. But the reality is, is that you're dealing with, you know, organizations that have been doing this for in some cases, 70 years you know, yeah. there's, there's a proper way to do it. And, you know, if you don't know, ask somebody before, you know, you get yourself in a situation that, you know. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. And, 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 and it's, it's always good to talk to as many people as you possibly can on, on something like that as well. I remember uh, back uh, years and years and years ago when before we had patches and we were still uh, spray paint on uh, on leather jackets, we uh, we picked some colors that we thought were pretty cool. And then uh, about two weeks into it, uh, we had uh, we had a discussion there, and uh, and it was decided that we should change the colors because they were too similar. Right. And you know, I mean, that's just that's one of those things that you know, I mean, we didn't know it at the time, but man, it was helpful it would have been real helpful knowledge, you know, to, to, to have gone and, and spoken to directly all the people 
you know, that uh, that we might have possibly come in contact there to make sure that, you know, everything was copacetic and, and nobody's toes got stepped on or anything like that. Right. Yeah, and the, the other two things I'd add to that is, is firstly, you know, you should, you know, just because you have five guys and you guys want to be a club, like, that's awesome, that's great, you know, I encourage you to do it. But check out who's in your area already because there might be a club that's already doing pretty much what you want to do. You know, right. every every club, you know, at all levels, there are differences. You know, you go to this diamond club and they do things one way. Um, you go to that diamond club, they do things another way, you know. And, um, you know, obviously everybody follows the same protocol and, you know, on the surface it's all the same. But, like, a lot of the way things are done and just the general vibe, you know, are, are different. Um, support clubs are the same way, you know, they, they, there's different vibes for different support clubs. That's why there's more than one club, you know, but check out who's around first, because, you know, it's, it, you know, it's not an awesome position. Like for, for, okay. For us, for instance, right. If another club now, I mean, we don't claim territory, so we don't really have any say over this and it wouldn't be one of those things. But like if another club were to pop up in Asheville and, they were building choppers and they wanted to do the same thing as us. Okay. Well, why would you do that? Like, why would you not just be a part of a club that's already there? Because instead of having like two small groups of people doing the same shit on different ends of town, you could be one group doing the same shit and have double the members and double the friends and double the resources, you know, it, 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 so that, that's one thing. And then, um, you know, the other, the other thing about it is, um, once you've figured out like, okay, there's not, um, there's not anybody around here that like we fit with and we're not doing the right thing. You also have to remember that, you know, um, everything that you do with a patch on your back gets reflected back to all the other clubs in the area. Mm-hmm. Um, Joe citizen and even the cops sometimes they don't differentiate, you know, to them, they see us, we got patches, we're on a bike, we're a motorcycle gang. That's right. what we are labeled, just like everybody else. They don't distinguish the fact that we're a chopper club. We're not an MC. You know, the, all those layers of differences. So, you know, if we're out at a bar and someone's running their mouth and somebody gets in a fight or, you know, I mean, that doesn't really happen with us. But if something like that were to happen and then the newspaper says biker gang gets in fight in downtown Asheville, now everybody's looking at all the clubs in the area side-eyed because – you know, bad news just came out about clubs. So um, that's another reason why you really have to know what you're doing and talk to the right people. That's one of the reasons why they might be a little bit hesitant to be like, yeah, go for it. You know, they're not trying to bully you, but, you know, clubs get enough drama as it is from the outside world. You know, people don't understand what clubs are doing, you know. Yeah, there's been some nefarious stuff in the past, but there's also a lot of people with diamonds that have never committed a crime in their life, you know, and that's that they're, they're in it for brotherhood and they're in it for the right reasons, you know? Um, and those people don't want your bad decisions to reflect on them. So, um, just a piece of advice that it's not just that they're being, they're trying to be a bully and tell you what to do. Um, they're trying to protect themselves and, you know, not get harassed more than they do. Yeah. And I think another thing you guys can probably both attest to is that, you know, a lot of people that are maybe put off by prospecting and think that they're going to start their own club because they think that's easier. <laughs> don't realize that being a, a club that's basically a perspective club, 
is like probably at least twice as hard as prospecting as an individual because it's it's twice yeah it's twice as hard um the mistakes that you make end up twice as bad for you because there's nobody there that knows what they're doing to smooth it over for you right um and you know the other thing is is like anybody with a pat can tell you that you think prospecting and probating is hard that's the easy part Right. It's, it's it's easy to get a patch. It's hard to keep it. You know, yeah. you got to work twice as hard to keep that patch on your back as you did to get it. You know, it's prospecting and probating, whichever one you want to use. It doesn't end when you get patched in. You know, um, I still clean the clubhouse. You know, I still take out the trash. We, you know, all of us take turns at the bar. Like, you know, that, that stuff doesn't end just because you move up. You know, and and I think the people that are like, oh, well, I don't want to have to do that stuff. That tells me a lot about who you are, because we all have to do that stuff all the time. So that just says to me, like, you think you're better than me. No. Right. That's my view anyways. Yeah, the uh, the the level of commitment that comes after gaining membership into any kind of any kind of club there. I mean, obviously, you know, there's there's a great number of people that once they get in, they slack off. But the thing is, like, if uh, if the club itself is not the kind of club that is is going to say something or try to encourage that member, generally that member falls off and they're asked to do less and less. One of those kind of things, and uh, that's that's not really anything that we promote really within our club it's uh it's more of a, a keeping you constantly in play kind of thing and while you know i mean if you if you were to go through uh, probating and become a stumbler you know on, on the other side of it you know your first weekend out you're gonna be probably doing the same stuff that you were doing <laughs> when you were probating it's just now you don't like have to have to do it like now you can like drink a beer while you're doing it right <laughs> yeah well good shit man well right on well i think uh you know we're, we're coming up on on uh on on the time that i normally take um so this is normally the the if you guys have any shout outs or anybody specifically you want to you know send a message out to uh go ahead Flip. uh nobody i just know my other brothers in the club and uh the other clubs in the area the chopper people we know you know i'm not going to name people by name but you know, we appreciate y'all. Oh yeah, for sure, one hundred percent. And uh, shameless, uh, shameless self-promotion there, as always. Uh, check out, uh, check out our social media. Uh, to anybody that's listening, and might be uh, might be interested in it. There, we're uh, at Stumbler's Chopper Club on Instagram. Flip, what's the Facebook? Uh, it's a Facebook group, Stumbler Chopper Club, as well. Stumbler Chopper Club, and uh, you can always follow along with what we're doing. Sometimes it doesn't look that exciting, but uh, you know, we do this for us. We don't do it for other people. Right. Yeah. Right on, man. Well, yeah, I appreciate y'all taking the time, and uh, you know, hopefully, some people out there have learned some stuff. I had a great time talking, and uh, yeah, well, that's that's pretty much all I got for this week. Um, Oh, go ahead. Still there. Okay, sorry. It's it's weird on the phone thing. We're, so for the listeners, we do this by phone. We're not looking at each other's facial expressions here. So sometimes, so right? If it's quiet, I don't know what's going on. So I'm like, oh, I lost everybody. But anyway, uh, I'll talk to you guys offline here in a second. But I'm gonna say uh, signing off on the podcast and have a good week.
just waking up in the morning gotta thank god i don't know but today seems kind of odd no barking from the dog no small and mama cooked the breakfast with no hump i got my grub on but didn't dig out finally got a call from a girl i want to dig out hooked it up for later as i hit the dope thinking will i live another 24 i gotta go because i got me a drop top and if i hit the switch i can make the ass drop had to stop at a red light looking in my mirror not a jacker in sight and everything is all right i got a beat from kim and she could do it all night called up the homies that i'm asking y'all which part are y'all playing basketball get me on the court and i'm troubled last week messed around and got a triple